the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Kind of cloudy this evening, maybe a shower down to 47 for the low. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow, high 67. Eagles 23-14 over the Rams yesterday to run their record of 5-0. and Tonight, Game 2 of the National League Division Series. Phillies at the Braves at 6:07. Bryce Harper on Saturday in Game 1 reached base all four times, including a home run off Spencer Strider, one of the best pitchers in baseball. After the game, Harper talking about facing Strider. Strider, man, he's, he's one of the best in the game, if not the best right now, um, striking guys out, and he had a phenomenal year, so it's always a tough at bat. I mean, you know, he's going to come at you and throw his best at you, so I'm just trying to get a pitch over, and was able to get a slider up and, and do some damage. You know, I thought we played really well against the Marlins, turned that page, and, and came right in here and, and tried to play our best game against them in game one. Like I said, that's that's one of the best teams in all of baseball, uh, one of the best offenses, and one of the best starters in the game. Um, we were able to take them down game one. Bryce Harper of the Phils, sound courtesy of MLB.com. Game two tonight, as I mentioned, at 6.07. Victoria, did you watch a game on Saturday? I missed it. I don't want to bore the audience. I had a busy day. So my grandmom's birthday was last week. We went up on the weekend to celebrate. I had done a day trip to the Lehigh Valley in PA. So that's about an hour and a half away. And I had a John Mayer concert at 8 p.m. at night. So I drove. I cut it close. I left around 5. Wow. Got home. My daughter was at that concert. Really? Yeah. But anyway, so no. But you know what was funny about that, Tim? There were a lot of boyfriends that I'm sure either are John Mayer fans or were dragged by their girlfriends. And I saw a lot of phones sitting there watching yeah. the Phillies while the yeah, concert yeah. was happening. That's and funny. they had it on the TVs a little bit at Wells Fargo. So I did not see it, but I was glad that they won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully they'll add to that tonight. Uh, we have a really special show coming up here. Bishop Eric A. Lambert, Jr., from Bethel Deliverance International Church and the Climbing Higher program, which is right before this, is joining us in studio in a moment. But first, we have two items of business. We're giving away Bishop Lambert's book uh, all month long because... Climbing Higher is our ministry of the month for October, the book Walking in Victory. So we have five winners already. We did. And they are who? They're all from PA this time. All right. We had Matthew in Harleysville, Henry in Kenneth Square, Elaine in Roslyn, Karen in Yaden. Did I say that right you this did. time? All right. And Shauna in Philadelphia. I think gay for Yaden. <laughs> so yes. So they're just the first batch uh, of five. We're making winners every day, all month long. And there's a grand prize you can win, too, at WFIL.com. So we're going to get into that conversation here in a moment. Uh, Also, just so you know, we have many wonderful programs around the clock on WFIL. One of them is Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffers. He joined us last Wednesday. He did. Because he has a book out that we're uh, we're giving away all month long as well called The Ten. Yes. So, but on to... uh, Pathway to Victory airs, a, airs each weekday at 9.30 on WFIL. It does. Well, I don't know about you, Tim, but there's a great message that's coming up tomorrow. Okay. On tomorrow's Plan ahead tomorrow. Program. When you hear someone say, do not take the Lord's name in vain, what comes to mind? Does hmm. it simply ban certain forms of profanity, or is there more at stake? Tomorrow on at 9.30, to your point, on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffers describes several ways we may be breaking the third commandment without even realizing it. So you can learn what it means to revere God's name tomorrow at 9.30. That sounds wonderful. Pathway to Victory tomorrow morning at 9.30. I love that. We're going to take a quick break. By the way, the program guide so you can keep track of the different ministries and when they air right on our homepage at WFIL.com. Click that sandwich menu thing, the three bars, and you'll see the program guide and you can go through it for every day of the week and see what airs when. Bishop Eric A. Lambert Jr. joining us next from Climbing Higher. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com and on the WFIL app. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app, listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. 
WFIL's Ministry of the Month for October is Climbing Higher with Bishop Eric A. Lambert Jr. You can catch it weekday afternoons at 3.30 right before this program. Also Sunday afternoons at 1.30. We're giving away uh, prizes all month long. You can find out more about that right on our homepage at WFIL.com. But along with that, we're very glad to have in studio with us Bishop Eric A. Lambert Jr., Otherwise known as Pastor Lambert. Amen. I like that better. Yes. <laughs> well, when we last left our hero, I guess you were in studio back in March. Yes. After my dad had passed, and you were, at the time, going to be presenting a workshop at our pastor's breakfast. Yes. But the Lord saw differently. Pastor Reese, who was going to come, was in a car accident, and you jumped in, and I still have the clips from that. I play them on the show every now and oh, again. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It was quite a – I mean – that was a, a wonderful <laughs> breakfast and a yeah, wonderful message yeah, that day. Great fellowship. Uh, I know in that one of the clips that I play has to do with uh, the, the churches, the churches in Revelation yes. and Ephesus. Yes, you remember yes. what you said about. Yes. <laughs> sure, you do. Lots of work, but no intimacy with God. Jesus says, "You don't love me the way you used to," and I find that to be a prevailing theme today. You know, we're doing a lot of work. But I wonder if we have time for the Lord. You know, the whole culture, the Western culture, is so different than the biblical culture. For us, uh, size matters. You know, the larger is better. Yeah. Money matters. All of those things. And I just I see this shifting of the church away from the intimacy with God that He wanted to more of a get things from God. And I'm really disturbed by what I see and hear. Uh, it's almost like the Lord coming down in, in Genesis to fellowship with Adam, and Adam wasn't there. And God says, where are you? I believe that he's asking the same question of the church. Where are you? And I just think that Christianity has become so commercialized that we've gotten away from the intimacy. We're searching things of God. We're, we're, we're trying to get things out of his hand rather than his heart. And since COVID in 2020, my my desire has been to chase his heart. And it has been a phenomenal change for me, for the church. I began to realize all the other stuff. I'll tell you what it, it's like. Right now where I am is where Solomon was in Ecclesiastes. Everything mm. is just a monumental waste of time outside of a relationship. This man was so great all of his life, beautiful testimonies powerful administration, it comes down to one statement. He says, I have armies, I have navies. He said, I have silver and gold, but I don't have anyone to share it with. That's painful. Hmm. To be able to say, the Lord is using me, but I haven't spent time with him. I don't know what's on his heart. I don't know what he wants of me. And I'd, I'd rather be a good son than a great preacher. I'd rather be I'd rather God say that's my son than to have a significant work. And that's my thrust now. Wow. But it it is uh much easier said than done. Yes. Cuz there is work to do. Yes. But yes. in the right spirit. Yes. I think of phrases in scripture where in the Old Testament also did you inquire of the Lord. I have to find uh make sure that I do that in the midst of being just keeping rolling through one day to the next. Sure. Right, and I'm sure you do do too, because I know that the church that you are pastor at Bethel Deliverance International Church in Wincote. If folks go to the site BethelDeliverance.org and look at the events calendar, yes, it's a stacked calendar, yes, full of prayer, yes, which is very important. But also, if you're not careful, you would just you'd be like hyperventilating with yes. all the stuff going. On. Yes, and that's the problem. That's the caveat to the whole thing. I don't want a church full of activities. Jesus didn't say, my house shall be called a house of activities. He said a house of prayer. So our, our current executive director has initiated this rule that there'll be no activities during December and January. Hmm. The time should be spent with family and with the Lord. Because if we keep going and keep going, then we run out of juice and the enemy can come in and hit you when you're tired. So, yes, I agree. There is work to do. But I believe that the Lord will send help. And if we're wise, we will incorporate the helpers. When Amalek came against the children of Israel, Moses had military experience from being in Egypt. 
But he says, Joshua, get some men and go fight Amalek. I'm going on the mountain. And that's become my model. So when I see a need, I gather the board together or other leaders and say, okay, this is what the Lord is showing me. You guys handle it. I'm going to pray. And it works. So yeah. we, we still fulfill our responsibility to work, but I, I just want to sit with him. It's like John Wesley. He said he prayed every morning for five hours. And people would ask him, why do you pray so much in the morning? He said, because I have so much to do, the Lord can give it to me in three seconds. And that's the secret. You spend time with God, situations handle quickly than we could ever envision. Jesus modeled that. He prayed all night because his day began the night before. And what did he say? I only do what I see my father doing. He had no anxiety. He was not overworked. No burnout, no depression, because he sat with the Father. And Jesus is my hero. I, I try to be like him. <laughs> Pastor Lambert, uh, you'll catch him weekday afternoons at 3.30 on WFIL with Climbing Higher, which is WFIL's Ministry of the Month for October. Also a pastor at Bethel Deliverance International Church in Wincote. BethelDeliverance.org and EricLambertMinistries.org for more info. We want to talk about... Uh, the book that we're giving away, Walking in Victory, and some other prizes, just so you can kind of shed some light on that. But uh, even before getting into that business, I do want to ask you one other question. Just kind of what has that been like to go along those lines? Because the rest of our conversation could be about covering a lot of topics and being busy. But that part about learning how to be more of a, a son and sitting with the Lord, uh, I think of the scripture where it, it's just the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Yes, that's it. As opposed to the work of God is. That's it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A. Yes. That's so, the westernization of Christianity, you know, and, and it's all about doing. That's what we are as a people. It, uh, to look at the, the clash between the Christian culture and the Western culture. That's why most of the doctrines are interpreted improperly because they're interpreted through the eyes of Westernism. Hmm. And the big thing for us here is accomplishment. It's doing. We give out awards for what you do, not for what you are, but for what you do. So every time you turn around, there's an award for this, an award for that. And it starts very young. You know, oh, you, you got an A in, in, in uh, your math class. Here's a gold star. So it's programmed. When my daughter was small, she would get great grades in school. I never gave her a dollar for the grades. What I did was I showed her the, the classified ads, and I said, you keep excelling in school, you'll get the better jobs. <laughs> I, I never gave her a dollar because she, I told her, you're in school to do your best, and your motivation comes from knowing that I'll have a better product to market. Yeah. And that's what's lacking today. You know, We have a lot of people who I call professional Christians, but they lack power. They mm. lack the ability to facilitate change. And that's why our world's in the place it's in. You mentioned during COVID, I guess this is where that started to become yes. more clear for you. Yes. Was, was simply having to, I mean, and I hear this a lot from people who wound up doing, actually doing things like somebody who finally wrote a book they were never, they never had written before or did an album they never, they whatever. But for, what, was there anything in particular that you can put your finger on that's different from the years leading up to that time, the last few years of COVID and all that, uh, that helped you become more resting in him as yes. opposed to doing? What? Yes. I realized I was working for God before COVID. After COVID, I wanted to work with God. So many things that I sought to do never came to fruition. Hmm. Because it's what, it's like David laying on the bed, telling Nathan, I'm in this beautiful house of cedar, and the ark of God is in a tent. And Nathan says, do all that's in your heart. The Lord is with you. And as he leaves the king's presence, the Lord says, get back in there. I didn't tell you to tell him to build this house. And that's how I was. I was looking at things. Oh, we can do this. We can do that. And here it wasn't the will of God. After COVID, I began to listen to his heart. And what I discovered was he just wants his children he just wants us with him. Yeah. Work will happen, but it doesn't have to happen by my impetus. It has to be directed by his spirit. 
and that has calmed me significantly. You are looking good. Yes, it has <laughs> calmed me because I don't feel like I have that time clock of Christian activity. You know, I can just get up. And like people, they operate under the uh, misunderstanding that, oh, you're busy. No, I'm not. Like, I'll go into my office at 7 in the morning, and I'm reading scripture. And I'm writing devotionals, you know, uh, connecting with God. I'm not doing all that administrative stuff anymore. I'm sitting with him. And my mornings now are just heavenly because I sit with him. And uh, I love hymns. And so I read about the hymns and, and how they originated. And they are all coming from relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want now more than anything else. What's a favorite hymn of yours? Do you have a couple that come to mind? Yes. Uh, come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And when they get to – I was in Miami. And we were – my wife and I, we were going to – a mall, and we called to get a cab to take us from the hotel to the mall, and the cab driver began to sing that song. Wow. And when she got to the part that said, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, I started crying in the back of the cab. And I felt in my heart God was sending me a message. You know, you're doing all this work, but you're prone to wonder and go down a road that I may not have for you. When we reached our destination and got out of the cab, I gave her a significant tip. And she says, why are you doing that? I said, you ministered to me. And the scripture said the workman is worthy of their hire. <laughs> That's great. And I just love that song, you know, and I play it all the time. I have Alexa, and I tell Alexa, play Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Yeah. And when she plays it, I just begin to, to resonate with the mercy of God. Because we are prone to wonder. And I don't think it's always sin. Sometimes we wonder, like the Church of Ephesus, we do so much until pride slips in. And we put on our resume, oh, I did this and I did that. And God says, but you didn't do it with me. And I just want to be with him. Amen. That's a great word. Bishop Eric A. Lambert, Jr., a.k.a. Pastor Lambert, joining us today on the Tim DeMoss Show from Bethel Deliverance International Church in Wincote. BethelDeliverance.org for more info on the church and the ministries, and also EricLambertMinistries.org. Climbing Higher, which airs at 3.30 weekday afternoons, also Sundays at 1.30 p.m., is WFIL's Ministry of the Month for October. Every weekday, we're giving away Bishop Lambert's book, Walking in Victory. We'll talk about that and many other things, too, yet on the Tim DeMoss Show today, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Bishop Eric A. Lambert Jr., I feel like since the beginning of the segment, I can do the whole title there. And I, may, I got through it without making any mistakes. Yet. Uh, Pastor Lambert, though, because last time you were on with us, I, I did ask, what's the best way to refer to you? And you said, well, Bishop, I think you said it's kind of what you do, but pastor is who you are. Yes. Right? Yes. So, because the bishop part of you is overseeing other churches? Yes. Yes. That's okay. the Episcopal title. Okay. And it can be used at times you might need it. You know, you got to throw your weight around a little bit. Uh, when I really need to throw my weight around, it's Eric. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, so now folks have been hearing us talk about this, that we're giving away the book Walking in Victory. And then there's also a grand prize, which includes Walking in Victory plus Finally Free and the three D, uh, three-part three series that, on DVD, Understanding the End Time Events and Prophecy. Yes. So maybe this is just a good time to kind of run through what those are so people can get a little deeper understanding, sure, sure. Uh, starting with Walking in Victory. Yes. That book came about due to my desire to see Christians move from surface relationships to really believe God wants us to be victorious. There is such a clash between scriptural principles and the cultural realities. And so what we have to learn to do is master the Christian principles that will ensure that we walk in victory, that we walk above the trappings of this world. There are many people that say it can't be done. I beg to differ. If we apply the principles of God, then we can walk in victory every day in every area of our life. 
So the genesis for that, or the, you know, when I, when I whenever I talk to somebody who's written a book or done a project of some sort, I think of a hunk of marble. I think about chip, 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 and then eventually it gets to where you want it to be. What's the, what was the process like for you writing Walking Victory? I discovered that the Bible is a book of principles, practices, and protocols of the kingdom of heaven. And what God did was through painstaking effort, he says, I'm going to leave my children a written document so they can know how to walk victorious. And as I pastor, I find that there are many people who love church but they're incapable of mastering principles and walking in victory. They have moments of success, but then it quickly dissipates, Mm. and they're right back in that same defeated position. So as I was thinking about it during my COVID times, I was thinking about it. I said, Lord, there has to be a way where we can walk in sustained victory. Because this up and down, up and down, it's a horrible way to live. So that book was born out of that that burden. Why why do you think that is, the, the struggle to get traction? Oh, that's simply because of the way we view things in the West. We are situational people. And what we do is we master situations, but we don't master processes. So anything Mm -hmm. new that comes along, we grab it. We grab it. And then when the season is over for it, we look for the next new thing. And in many cases, here, here's a perfect example. A telephone manufacturer has a certain phone, and the number is 12. Within six to eight months, there's a 13. And there really is no significant difference. But people have not mastered the 12 and they buy the 13. Well, that's what we do in Christianity. We love good preaching, good teaching, good singing. But before we master the principles, we're going on to the next thing. And then we wind up in a slump because we haven't mastered fasting and prayer. Now we want to do other things. And I think walking in victory comes from sustained effort. That's interesting. You know, before we hopped on the air, we were talking about the notion of preaching sermons more than once, or uh, I forget where I heard this, but there was uh, somebody I think my dad told me about who preached a sermon until he thought the congregation had it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Four or five, six times in a row. (laughs) Yes. I'll let you know when I think you're ready. Then we'll go on to the next one. I agree. Have you ever preached a sermon more than once in a row? Oh, definitely. Yeah? Definitely. Okay. And I like series when I preach. So uh, I'm doing a series now out of Philippians 3 where Paul says, I press towards the mark. So I took the word press and I made it an acronym. So each each letter has a specific uh, meaning. So I like to do series because then I go back and build on the other to bring them to the front so that they're able to take it, grasp it, and apply it. So I'm not a one-time person. I like to keep them going forward with a continual thought. That's a good word. All right, so that's the you know, just a brief summary of Walking in Victory, which is what WF Files giving away uh, courtesy of the ministry every day. In October, you can enter to win right on our homepage at WFIL.com. There's also a grand prize, which gets the, the, you know, has the daily prize in it, but also Bishop Lambert's book, Finally Free, and the DVD three-part series, Understanding the End Time Events and Prophecy. So how about uh, Finally Free for some Finally Free was born out of my observation of Christians who continue to come to the altar, and they don't realize they're free. Hmm. And they look at situations that develop in their lives. So they think that every infraction requires me to go back and remarry God. They have to understand that when Christ comes in, you're free. So it's, it's, it's the concept of when I, when I come to Christ and I'm one with Christ, I'm finally free. I don't have to keep going back and paying dues all the time and going up to the altar every Sunday because I messed up this week. The principle of being finally free means I don't have to adhere to the old legalism, the old things that that, that permeated my past. The example that Mark sets, Jesus is teaching and teaching, and there's a scribe whose responsibility was to interpret what's being taught and make sure there's a record. He turns around and says, just tell me of all the laws that we have, which one is the most significant? Yeah. And Jesus said, love God and love people. That's basically what he said. Yeah. So we strain at all these theological nets and all God. Think about this. If if all of us walked in love, we'd have no racism, no murder, no crime at all. It, it would be a completely different yeah. world. 
So Finally Free is designed to get you back to the nexus of Christianity. Would you say it's also for, partly for people? Because I know there are – I have friends who, when you say go to the altar, they – I know a couple of people who have gone to like altar calls many times mm-hmm. because they kind of like – like it's almost like an obsessive compulsive thing. Like yes. they just they can't seem to shake. That's but it. I might not be saved. But I, That's I got it. it right. That's it. They don't know that they're free. Yeah. And once you tap into that, that I'm really born again. I mean, I wasn't perfect as a child. I messed up, but my parents didn't divorce me. They didn't say you're not my child. They yeah. said we have to train you. So he gives pastors to train. For someone who's feeling that way, you know, because. Uh, Feelings can be tricky. Sure. They're very, real. They're very real. <laughs> they're real, but they can be tricky. They can yes. be, so sometimes you have to. Uh, I had a friend once who I who struggled with some of that, and one time I asked him how he was doing, and he says, "I'm doing better than I'm feeling." Okay, it was a great w- response. Yes. It was like a it was like a, a response of faith to sure. me. Sure. How, what do you say to somebody who is struggling with, you know, feeling like God doesn't? Maybe in the end, like God doesn't love me, even though because I think at the heart of wanting to be forgiven over and over again or something might be like. Not really understanding yeah. that they are, as you say, finally yeah. free. That's the that's the whole problem. That we work hard at conversion, but not at new birth. And so the concept is: all right, get them down to the altar, get them through that obligatory prayer. God, forgive me for my sins, wash me clean. Boom. Okay, now go back and live for the Lord. What do you mean? I don't know how to do that. When you talk about people who say that God doesn't love them, it took me 13 years to believe God loved me. I kid you not. And I came from a good home with a mother and a father who loved me, but I just could not fathom God loving me. 13 years before I realized he did. What what turned the light bulb on? Was it a day, a single instance, or I think it was an accumulation of truth. Okay. It was just getting to the point where I was convinced that he he had the best interests for me. And I would I would take the love of God and filter it through my dad. And my dad used to take me to baseball games and take me to get school clothes and he was always there. He was my first hero. And so for me there was no love deficit. So what's God gonna do more than my father? So once I was born again, What's God going to do for me that's different than what daddy did for me? So I, so people would say, God loves you. I said, so does Eric. So does Eric Sr. He, he loves yeah. me as well. So what am I going to do with that? Um, so I think it was just an accumulation of facts that okay. led me to, you know what? He's not going away. So for you, it was, it was a bit of a, a, a process, inter- including intellectually yes. thinking through it. Yes. Because some, for some other people, it might be. Something else is missing, right. right? Right. It's the emotional concept that's so real in the West. Uh, we thrive on emotion. We're very soulish people here. We're not very spiritual. That's why Jesus in Mark's gospel, he says, you're to love the Lord with all of your soul, all of your heart, and all of your strength. And then he adds the fourth component, mind, which is omitted from the Deuteronomy process. So Jesus says, you've got to get beyond the emotion. You have to get beyond the feeling. You have to sit there and think about this. Why do I love God? <laughs> and why does he love me? So now I've, I've gone over into a, a concept of spirit because the scripture never says loving with the spirit because we don't know how. So he says loving with the mind. And that's cognitive thought. I have to literally sit down and think, boy, why does God love me? Well, he is love. That's too ambiguous. What's he doing? Go to the scripture. Watch it unfold. You know what? He does. And that's (laughs) That's how I've come. That's great. Bishop Eric A. Lambert, Jr., Pastor Lambert, Bethel Deliverance International Church in studio with us. The church is based in Wincote. You can grab more info. BethelDeliverance.org, EricLambertMinistries.org. Climbing Higher is the radio ministry of of that. And uh, you can catch it weekdays at 3.30 in the afternoon, right before this show, also Sunday afternoons at 1.30. Uh, and every weekday this month, we're giving away Bishop Lambert's book, Walking in Victory, as well as a grand prize that includes Walking in Victory, plus the book we just talked about, Finally Free. 
And the one part we didn't talk about yet, the DVD three-part series, Understanding the End Time Events and Prophecy. So share about that if you would. We had a special Saturday where three – well, there were two other ministers along with myself, and we talked about the end times. We wanted to bring some sense of rationalization to the different theories of pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, rapture positions, and to discuss what happens during the tribulation days to try to move people from uh, the the concept to what the Bible is really saying. It was a great day when we talked about so many issues that will impact the Christian as we are in the last days currently. Because Jesus said in the last days you're going to see wars, rumors of wars, such and such and such. So he says that's what's going to happen in those days. Many Christians are so rapture conscious that they miss the fact that we're in the last days. And things are winding up. So we took that time to really unpack the Scripture's teachings about these end-time events. Was this the conference back in March of this year? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, because you had come in right before the conference happened. Yes. Oh, so this is a very fresh DVD. Yes, and it was really a great time. It really was. And I find that there are a lot of believers who they, they don't know a lot about the end time. I think processing it, many are afraid. There are some who feel, well, maybe the rapture theory isn't real, and I might be left here to go through things. And so there's just a, there's a, a collection of thoughts. Yeah. We had a great time just parsing verbs, dealing with scripture, you know, uh, unpacking things. And, and we had a significant question and answer period. We had a great time with it. That DVD is really going to be a blessing because it, it's in plain language. I don't like a lot of deep talk. <laughs> it's in plain language, and it helps the people to form an opinion based upon an abundance of scriptural references. That's great. So again, the DVD series, a three-part called Understanding the End Time Events and Prophecy. It's part of the grand prize you could win this month, but uh, based on what you're saying there, you know, don't feel like you have to win it uh, or else you, do, you don't get to get it. You can you know, go to the site and, and order a copy. That's right. uh, so BethelDeliverance.org, EricLambertMinistries.org for that. And uh, again, for the overall contest, Climbing Higher, our Ministry of the Month for October, you go to WFIL.com. We have a brief break. Then we have a number of things we want to run uh, by uh, Pastor Lambert in our final segment here. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. It's The Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the app, you're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, We are privileged to have Bishop Eric A. Lambert, Jr., simply Pastor Lambert, uh, joining us. Many ways you can be referred to. What does your wife call you? (laughs) Honey? Yeah, I I get that periodically. Yeah. Most times it's Eric. Okay. (laughs) That's funny. Well, last time when you were in, when we last left our hero, as I mentioned, you... I think I asked you if you had a nickname. You said you did, but you'd have to do something to me if you told That's me That's right. Was. I can't tell you that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm trying different ways. I don't want to be you know, accused of being Delilah or something, but I am trying to you know, worm it out of you one of these, one of these interviews. Uh, so, And also, I guess while we're on the topic, maybe to, to – so because I think last time we almost ended on the fact that you're a Celtics fan. And I – Yes. Yeah. I mean, so I'm trying to – And Cowboys. Cow- what? Yes. In the – I was Green Bay Packers. Okay, I like Green Bay. Yeah. I like the G. Then I moved over to the, the, the Cowboys and never left Dallas. The guy, the guy who invented the G logo just passed away. Oh, really? Yeah. I just wow. read that recently, not, not too long ago. Wow. So I, I'm afraid to ask about any other sports. Uh, are those the two sports you follow primarily? Uh, baseball. I like oh. the Dodgers and the Orioles. Okay. I like the fact that the Orioles, you know, had a great year. Yes. They're, they're a historic franchise. Yes. It's nice to see that's them what I like about do better. So <laughs> that's good. Well, so on the broad topic, a few things here. I just wrote a few bullet points. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. So just on a broad oh. uh, topic there, you know, you've been a pastor for 36, 36 years now. Yes. Okay. I was going to say 30. It was 35 last year. So whatever angle of being a pastor you you might impart to those who are pastors who are listening i know we have a lot of pastors who listen 
and also a piece about those who, you know, many people who are listening are not pastors. Yeah. How they can understand their pastor. I mean, appreciate him. You can get him a gift or, or send him a note, which is great. But other things just like showing up on time or <laughs> whatever else it might be. So first for pastors, just your thoughts on anything about serving the Lord and what's important. Sure. I think to be an effective pastor, as quickly as you can, get other people to help you hmm. before you become inundated in the work. Start picking people immediately and say, okay, you you head this, you lead this, you work with that while I go back into counsel with God and get his mind. Because it's so easy. Pastoring is like a vortex. It just sucks you into everything. And before long, as the church grows, you now become responsible for every problem. Had I known that early on, it would have been different. But now, by the grace of God, about 25 years in, I began to realize, oh, no, 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 no. God didn't call me for all of that. And what's the point in sending gifted people if you don't utilize the gifts? And again, Moses is my example. The Amalekites are coming. Joshua, go fight them. I'm going to the mountain. The apostles, oh, we have the Grecian women and the Hebrew women fighting against the disbursement of funds. They say, what are you bringing it to us for? We're giving ourselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. Get somebody else to handle it. It doesn't happen in the 21st century often. Uh, it usually the pastor's involved with this. The pastor's seeing that. I resigned from the presidency of my board of the church. I maintained the chief executive officer, but I resigned from the presidency. And I don't even go to board meetings now unless it's something monumental. Okay. But what I do now, I go in, I say, here's the vision. You guys work it out and show me how you want to do it. And then I just go back and pray or read or maybe even go bowling. Uh, you know, <laughs> let, them, let them deal with it. I mean, that's what Jesus did. Jesus yeah. would go to sleep. And he would say, okay, you guys handle it. You Go ahead. And I think longevity in the pastorate is for those who have learned to delegate. Hmm. So you pastors that are listening, start right now delegating responsibilities and just get reports. Ronald Reagan was great doing that. He would People would ask him things. He said, I don't know. And they thought that was wrong, but it was right. I do that all the time. People say, oh, well, you know, they ask something about the ministry. I said, I don't know. Call Grace. Call so-and-so. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's not necessary to know everything. Only God knows everything. For aspiring ministers, I would say connect with someone who is successful and learn from them. How would you define success? Following the will of God for their lives and the vision of God for the work, even if it doesn't go along with your peers. Okay. That's good. That's good. How about for the congregation? Go up to the pastor and ask the pastor, what do you need me to do? And then do it. At Bethel, we, we, we purchased a number of books, How to Support Your Pastor, and we give them out to new members. <laughs> and the, the chapters all give specific examples of yeah. what you can do to support your pastor. And uh, it's, been, it's been really a blessing uh, for the people to say, oh, I can help him in this way. I can help him in this way. So I'm seeing this influx of workers. I can't even keep up with them. Because they're coming in and they're saying, I want to help my pastor. I want to take some of that load off of them. And I think when God sends a person to a church, he sends them with a gift. And they should go in and utilize that talent. And the pastor should be glad that they're there and then utilize those gifts. That's good. Uh, And to clarify, you're... Yeah, you're saying help the pastor really by helping the church. Yes. Yeah, not help the pastor Definitely. get his painting done no, in the garage. No, no. <laughs> you, you can don't do that need too. To do all that. Uh, I, I think. Not I think that you turn it down. Church. Yeah. I, I I think there should be a healthy distance uh, for yeah. respect. You know. Yeah. I, I really do. I mean, when, when my man of God, when I was a, a parishioner at my church, I used to play basketball with his son. And they had a basketball court right in the driveway. And so we would be out there playing basketball, and then the pastor would drive up. Well, I would stop and watch him pull the car in the garage, and I did not play until he got in the house. 
because I just believed this was God's man. Hmm. And I didn't want anything to, to mar that. And for me, not that I idolized him, but I respected that anointing in his life. And I was that way the entire time. I didn't want familiarity at church picnics. I never asked him to play. I wanted him to pray for me, to guide me. And there's just too much connection. Even in the military, officers weren't, aren't allowed to you know, get so close to the enlisted because they may have to order them into a death situation. Yeah. And pastors sometimes, in wanting to be connected, they forget the principle of the shepherd. The shepherd did know his sheep, but he also disciplined his sheep and took care of them yeah. through that process. So. It's it's a great um, – you're speaking to both sides of it there, too, because I was going to ask you that – there are times I think about our pastor. I've been at the same church since I was a kid. Wow. So I've seen them all come and go. Many yeah. of them have been there for 5 or 10, 20 yeah. years. Yeah. But uh, sometimes I think, you know, being a pastor could be lonely. Yes. And say, hey, you know, let's invite so-and-so over for dinner. Uh, but I always wondered about that, too. Like, maybe some of that is also part of what the job is about. Yes. So I, maybe that may, – do you find that a pastor might have a small handful of people that they, that they can let their hair down with and be every day with or watch a ball game with compared to – you know what I mean? Because I could see the pressure of a pastor wanting to be all things to everyone in the congregation and know everybody's name. And before long, there isn't any distance between the two. Yeah. Yeah, there there are moments when that familiarity can happen, but usually in my world, it happens with those who have been at the church for a, a very appreciable amount of time. Okay, they know me, I know them, I know how far to go. But for the newer Christians and the newer members, no, because they're still feeling their way through, and they can erroneously think that my my friendship is something manipulable. Hmm. So, oh, well, I can go into the pastor's office. I mean, we just had coffee at such and such. No. <laughs> no. We're best buddies now. Yeah. And so I think that there should be a healthy – that's what almost killed Moses. He says, "I'm." his father-in-law says, what are you doing? He says, well, the people come to me for answers. And Jethro says, no, don't do that. Get some other people to help you. It didn't work because that closeness caused them to lose respect for him. They challenged him. He was too close. You know, and it wasn't the will of God for him to be that close because he couldn't lead. And it wound up costing him entrance into the land because he got so fed up. I never want to get fed up with the congregation. And that comes from, from them being too close and expecting more of you than you can give. That's really wise. That's great. To, that's great uh, insight. If you're just tuning in, chat with Pastor Lambert from Bethel Deliverance International Church in Wincote, 2929 West Cheltenham Avenue, BethelDeliverance.org or EricLambertMinistries.org for more info. The program you'll hear Bishop Lambert's voice on is uh, th- called Climbing Higher. It's weekdays at 3.30 on WFIL right before the Tim DeMoss Show and has uh, been on the air with us just over five years now, which is a wonderful thing. Sunday afternoons as well at 1.30 on WFIL. You mentioned the name Grace a moment ago as far as, as, far as delegating. <laughs> yes. Grace has always been wonderful at helping arrange our yes. our times of you coming to the station and all that. And uh, so I was asking, I was like, Grace, like, what's on Pastor's Heart these days? You know, could pick her, pick her brain a little bit. And she did say, and you touched on it earlier, but I thought we could re- recycle back to it for a moment. The idea of the church being too assimilated in the culture uh, and to really have not as much effect on it as it, as it should. Uh, and so she's talked about that. I said, do you think that he means the church, the, the culture needs more Christian leaders like in, in places of authority or is it more individuals just being true salt and light? And she yeah. said, mm, she said, I think it's about individuals, but I wanted to ask you. So, yeah. so what, what is the, cause that's on your heart. She's, she, she's right yeah. in, in that uh, assessment. My heart is for the body of Christ to be the salt and the light. It's a dual purpose. The light means we should give guidance. The salt means we preserve. But we can't preserve unless we guide them to where that can take place. Hmm. It was, I don't know, maybe 10 years, more than 10 years ago when I was taking my car in for service. And they said I would be maybe an hour. So I took my laptop with me. I figured I could do some writing or whatever. And I went to Romans chapter 12, and the Holy Spirit just, it just jumped out at me. Be not conformed to the world. That day, the Christian and the culture was born. I knew I would write a book. My first book was The Christian and the Culture. And I knew that it would be a series. 
And I just knew everything would come from Romans 12. And so now we have the talk show, we have books, we have a lot of things, because God wants there to be a distinct difference. In fact, Ezekiel says the greatest judgment comes because you put no difference between the clean and the unclean. So now what we see is the world becoming more churchy and the church becoming more worldly. They never seem to meet. I remember something Jerry Falwell said years and years ago. He quoted a gentleman who was asked the question, is America good? And the man said, yes, America is good because it's godly. And that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so now when you look at the decay, America is not godly. I don't blame the devil. He's doing his job. I'm a military man. So from a military perspective, I admire what he's doing. He knows how to infiltrate, get in there. You read The the, uh, the Art of War by Sun Tzu. Satan knows exactly how to enact those pieces. But the church has lost its ability to shine. We were supposed to be the buffer so that when the world says, we're going to do so-and-so, the church says, oh, no, that's not what God wants. And it can't just be a singular leader. It has to be a reflection of the body, you know, and things that are the alternative. I was meeting with the gentleman who wanted me to be part of this pro-life group. And I, I despise abortion. You don't kill. That's not what God wants. And I told him, I said, now, if you want me in this, I'm not marching and I'm not throwing paint and blood on anybody going into an abortion clinic. But here's what I will do. I said, I will work with you to get a group of churches together and build a place where these girls can go and have babies. And he didn't want to hear it. I said, we can confront the darkness or we can light a candle. So we can tell that young lady, all right, look, don't don't go kill your baby. We have a place up in Lancaster County. We have doctors on staff. We have nutritionists. And there's families waiting to adopt your baby. We'll pay for it. Doesn't cost you anything. We'll even get you up there. That's what God means, salt and light. Yeah. That's good. That's good. If you're just tuning in, chatting with Bishop Eric A. Lambert, Jr., Pastor Lambert, uh, Bethel Deliverance International Church in Wincote. And you've been there for – have you been there? Has that been the main place you've been all yes, these years? Yes, right, right there on Sheltonham. And we started in one suite yeah. in 2923. And now we own everything from traffic light to traffic light. <laughs> you can find out more BethelDeliverance.org, EricLambertMinistries.org, too. You, um, you mentioned um, – oh, I mentioned earlier about the, the many different things that folks go to the site and they'll see on the calendar of events. There's a lot going on. You've had these pastor equipping se- sessions going on this year. Oh, yes. What have they been about? And I believe people can still come to the, the final one coming – a couple, couple more coming up this year. So – what are they about and, you know, your heart for, well, for that? Well, my, my, my feelings are to equip the next generation. I think one of the reasons why God keeps us going so long is we don't have Josiahs. We haven't trained them hmm. to take over. And when you look in Scripture, my life verse is Ecclesiastes 3. It's a season and a time for everything. When you come to the end of your season, there should be someone to pass off the baton. So we've spent a significant number of, t- of days and, and, and sessions training the next generation. I used to sit with my pastor when I was a new pastor. I would sit with him regularly. Every Thursday, I would either go down to his office or up to his house. And he asked me one day, he says, why are you doing this? I said, because I would be a fool to fall into the same holes you fell in. Train me. His words to me, I'll never forget. He said, I wish you would go out and tell the other pastors who are coming out of this church. No one wants to hear it. So we've been intentional about training that next generation. Our last conference was the new wineskins. Jesus says God wants to pour in new wine, but all he has is old wineskins. So we had a significant response, and we spent time talking about being new wineskins. And really, we broke it into new processes. The next time we do it, the part two will be dealing with renovation of the current wineskin so that they can receive the new wine. My motivation is to bring the body of Christ, those who serve in ministry, bring them to a new revelation, a new understanding 
that the people are not here for us. We're here for the people. It's yeah. like I tell the people at Bethel, you are not my people, but I am your pastor. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. It has been wonderful having you here. Um, how can people pray for you moving into the next season? <laughs> I, I, I support uh, Dr. David Jeremiah's ministry. My wife and I love this man. So we support him monthly. Yeah. So the other week, I had a member from his staff call me, and they said, we want to thank you for your support. And we just thank God. And I told him how much I admire him and what he preaches. And she said what you just asked. She said, we're going into prayer. How can we pray for you? Here's what I said to her and what I'm going to say to you. <laughs> okay. I said, when you go to God, just mention my name. He'll know what I need. Okay. That's good. Because I, you don't have enough time to hear what I do. <laughs> but if you just go to God and say, Lord, I bring my brother Eric Lambert up to you. He says, okay, Eric needs this, 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 and this. And you touch an agreement with me and God will take care of the rest. <laughs> That's it. That's it. This, well, some of the passages in the New Testament come to mind about you know, healing, Jesus healing. That's and saying, it. Just say the word. That's and... <laughs> it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> thank you for making the effort to come over today. Oh, thank you. Really glad to have you here. Uh, Bishop Eric A. Lambert, Jr., Pastor Lambert from Bethel Deliverance International Church, 2929 West Cheltenham Avenue in Wincote, BethelDeliverance.org or EricLambertMinistries.org. For more information, you can catch Bishop Lambert on Climbing Higher weekdays at 3.30 p.m., also Sundays at 1.30 p.m. on WFIL. Every weekday this month, we're giving away Bishop Lambert's new book, Walking in Victory. There's also a grand prize you can win, which includes that daily prize, plus Bishop Lambert's book, Finally Free, and the DVD three-part series, Understanding the End Time Events and Prophecy. You can get yourself entered right on our homepage at WFIL.com. That'll do it for the program today. Thank you for listening in to Tim DeMoss' show on AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>